Welcome to Movie of the Year. My name is Audrey. I'm Lindsay. And we are a thousand miles apart tonight, but we are still going to talk about the movies of 1996. We are bound and determined. So here it comes. <laughs> everybody, everybody get ready. This is a podcast where we go year by year talking about movies using IMDb's top 100 most popular movies of that year. What we want you to tell us is if this is a really awful way to listen to the podcast, because if it is, we can wait one month, because in one month, we won't be a thousand miles apart. We'll be zero miles apart, because we're coming together again to record our next batch of episodes. We'll be like two feet apart. Not even. Most. We're just going to hug the whole time. <laughs> going to make everyone really uncomfortable so business as usual <laughs> yeah so let us know if this is just not doing it for you if you just can't stand listening this way and we can we can go on a little hiatus yeah until we we're together again we will hiate for you <laughs> <laughs> what else um is there anything new in your life that you want to talk about nothing new how about you what's new with you absolutely nothing Oh, I don't have skin cancer. Yay! We thought maybe I had skin cancer, but I don't. Today, officially, you are skin cancer, I don't know. It's not free. It's like skin cancer never had it. Yeah, whatever. I like it's how good. we're kind of acting like we haven't already spent two and a half hours on the phone today. <laughs> two and a half hours on the phone just like three and a half hours ago. <laughs> exactly. I have a question for you. What were you like in 1996? Ooh, uh... Good question. Well, that was our freshman year of high school. Right. So at the beginning of the year, I was trying to look like an alternative kid. So I had a lot of oversized, like, offspring t-shirts. <laughs> and I dyed my hair black. And that's all I really remember. A lot of you? dark lipstick. I feel like I remember that. Yes, it was called Rum Raisin was the shade. What were you like in 1996? I probably wore too many overalls and striped shirts, and I had baby thin bangs, which is never a good idea, because if you're going to have baby thin bangs, why have bangs? They were very but, wispy. Yes, wispy. That's the perfect. Baby thin's not even a thing. It is a thing. Is it? It is. <laughs> when I look back, it just didn't make any sense said every human about their lives. <laughs> I regret it immensely. I regret my wispy bangs. <laughs> and I was very awkward and shy. Who wasn't? I wasn't. I was like a bull in a dang china shop. I was like, everybody look at me all the time. A goth bull. <laughs> in a goth china shop. What else? Well, I did get some feedback. I'm just going to share a couple of bits. Um, people really want us to stop using the word aspirational. Us? Yeah. <laughs> I can do that. Can you do that? I can try. I can try my best. Okay. Sorry, everybody. That I guess we were saying it like 20 times an episode. <laughs> people also really want me to stop talking about movies like they're cheese and wine and talking about how well they've aged. 
It is. They they want me to stop acting like I don't understand how perception differs across the decades. Like, apparently I say a lot, like, we used to love that, and now we think it's bad. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> I really have not grasped that concept, apparently. Um, can I just say, I just, it's really hard when I can't see your face, but it's okay. <laughs> it it's is hard. It's really hard. It's better when I can see your face. I like to play off your reactions, but... Whatever, it's fine. It's more fun when I can see your face. Whatever, I hate it. I want to move there. Whatever. <laughs> Did we already tell the story about how we started like doing sketch comedy and we tried to move to the same place and it was foiled at the very... No, I don't think we have. Yeah, we were going to live in the same place and we had started our production company and things were happening and uh, we had a last minute wrench get thrown in the works that we won't go into here, but um, we would like to live in the same place and we'd like to do a new episode every week and we'd like to do mini-sodes um we just can't right now because we're a thousand miles away and it's the worst but we have so much stuff that we want to do like we love doing this for you guys and by the way you guys are a hundred plus subscribers now yeah which is insane to me it was really shocking that's not something I was expecting. Me either. And it's encouraging because there's so much we want to do with this. We would like to host movie screenings. Mm-hmm. And like I said, just give you some really high quality shows every week. So it would be our dream come true if we could do this at a higher quality level and do live events and host movie screenings and all kinds of fun things. It would be. That's exactly what I was going to say. It would be literally a dream come true yeah. to be able to do all of that together and for like the people who are really enjoying this which is so exciting i know we're we're getting messages now people are sending us their stories it's awesome it is awesome thank you we love you guys yes thank you so much do you want me to share a story it'll be an anecdotal form because i didn't print it out or anything i would love it but i thought it was really funny and i don't i don't want to wait at the risk of sounding like a paula cole song i just really want to tell one of them I'm so glad you said that because I almost sang it and I had to stop myself. Never stop singing Paula Cole. would have sounded terrible. <laughs> I think we should sing more often. That could be part of our live shows. We could recreate a dance number from a movie and sing a song from a movie and then everyone can get up and run out of the building. People will flood the doors. <laughs> All right, tell me your story. Okay, so Aaron with two A's from Indiana sent a really funny story by way of Instagram message. And he says, in regards to our last episode where we talked about Batman Forever, he got a lot of nerve up and he had to work up all of his gumption to ask a girl from his cul-de-sac out on a date. And it would have been his first date ever. And he was going to ask her to go see Batman Forever. And so he asked her, and she said yes. And she got really excited. And then she said, do you think that the name of another cute boy who also lived in their cul-de-sac would come with us? On their date? (laughs) Yeah. And she roped Aaron into, like, scheming to make it a group viewing. And then it gets worse. And then she sat down and for like an hour, they worked on a seating chart together because she wanted them to sit next to each other so that she could hold hands with the cute unnamed boy. Like they were planning a wedding? (laughs) (laughs) And what's even more sad is that Aaron did it. Are you serious? Yeah. 
He didn't say no? No, he kind of said that he felt free enough to share that story because I've shared so many sad, pathetic stories. <laughs> Did he get put in the trash can? He didn't say he got put in the trash can, but he got put in the metaphorical, emotional trash can. Okay. <laughs> A seating chart? Who is this girl? <laughs> you want to find her? We need to track her down. She needs a talking to. <laughs> I was going to ask what you were going to do. I'm going to punch her. <laughs> I'm going to put her in a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sad and hilarious. <laughs> it is sad and hilarious. Thank you for that story, A.A. Ron. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, uh, apparently, I forgot to tell my Mortal Kombat story a few episodes back, and... Um, so just really quickly, it was a nothing story. All I did was hold a boombox up to the TV and tape the end credits so that I could have <laughs> so that I could have some of the soundtrack on cassette tape to run to the end. Can't say I've never done that because I've definitely sister act. <gasps> I was gonna ask what you did it with. I held the whatever boombox, whatever you call it, up to and I taped all of the songs. And then I would like practice them in my room. That's amazing. That's what I did. I never would have thought you would have done. It's not sad. It's wonderful. It's a. It's an artifact of our era that we did that. Do you remember what like an art form it was to try to record songs off of the radio without getting the like commercials caught in between? Like you really had to be on it to. To have a smooth transition from song to song. You are so right. I do actually remember that. You had to be really quick because you never knew. They would usually talk over the music until right before the actual singing began. And that was probably on purpose. So we couldn't record it because all radio DJs are in a conspiracy. That was good detective work because my next question was going to be, why do you think they did that? And you literally answered it. You're right, though. Like, that's, uh, doing that kind of stuff was, is, like, a big hallmark of our, of our childhood. And something, like, kids now wouldn't have any clue what we were talking about. About generation. <laughs> Maybe that was really obvious and I shouldn't have said it, but I said it. No, you should have said it. It's a fun thing. It's a very time-life memory that you have there. <laughs> time-life, 100 songs. <laughs> you and I had said when we got over a hundred subscribers, we were going to post an embarrassing video of ourselves <laughs> from 1996. And before we even had the chance to say anything about it on the podcast, we got over those numbers. And so do you think we should post that video? I do think we should post that video. It really shows that we haven't grown as people, which is important for people to know. Yeah pretty much the same. This year, Lindsay and I are going to take turns. I'm going to give you a little bit of context from the year 1996, and then Lindsay will share a movie set in the year 1996. Chess computer Deep Blue defeated world chess champion Gary Kasparov for the first time ever. Hmm. I've never heard of that guy. I know you love your chess history. <laughs> it can't be true. I've never heard of him, and I know everything there is to know about chess. <laughs> All right, I'm going to tell you a movie that was set in 1996. Okay, this is so funny. I think for the last three episodes of the podcast, I've said this movie was set in the year we were 
talking about, and it's on this list too. The movie Definitely Maybe. Oh, you <laughs> always talk about that. It says it's set in 1996. I, I mean, finally watched it though. You did? I did. And I felt nothing about. I feel no way in any direction. Yeah, it's just kind of there. <laughs> it reminds me of there's a quote from Futurama where they run across these totally neutral people and at one point they're dying and the guy says, Tell my wife I said hello. <laughs> and that's kind of how you feel about Definitely Maybe. Yeah, I agree. It's just it's just a movie. It's just exists. <laughs> that did happen. <laughs> that sure is a movie. Another thing that happened in nineteen ninety six is that the Nintendo sixty four video game system was released in Japan. Really? I loved our N64. That was fun. What was your favorite game? Probably Mario Kart. You know when you pick up a star and it does that really fast star music? Yes. If I was a stripper, that would be my stripper music. (laughs) That or the Perry Mason theme or the Roseanne theme. (laughs) I think I like the Perry Mason theme. (laughs) Tell me that's not made for burlesque. I think that's what it needs to be. For the record, I will never strip. You come out in a hat and tie. (laughs) Okay, here's another movie set in 1996. Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. The Summer Olympics happened in Atlanta, Georgia. The Ramones performed for the last time ever. They tried to raise the Titanic this year on August 30th on my birthday, and it failed. Good. They don't need to do that. Good. Haven't you seen Ghostbusters 2? What'd you say about Ghostbusters? Oh, I said that raising the Titanic is a bad idea. Haven't they seen Ghostbusters 2? Oh, because of all the ghosts. Yeah, don't do that. Better late than never, but still, don't do that. Leave it alone. Again, I say this as somebody who acts like I didn't work at a (laughs) Titanic-based entertainment venue for almost two years. Leave the Titanic alone. Let it rest. (laughs) Every time I would give tours, I loved that job and I loved that place and I loved the people that I worked with and part of me still wishes I could just do that for the rest of my life. I loved it. You are so good at it. I really (laughs) thoroughly enjoyed my tour. No, you're telling polite lies. No, I really seriously did. And I think that you were very good at making it immersive. You were very believable. Thank you. I'm not telling lies, I promise. I don't do that. A couple more movies set in 1996. Scream and Jersey Girl. I've never seen that. It's pretty terrible. Oh, really? Darn it. Yeah. It's also really sad. Don't watch it. Okay. (laughs) All right. And that's it. Okay. I have one final bit of somewhat movie-related news for you. On December 31st, 1996, the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe Railway was merged with the Burlington Northern Railroad to form the BNSF Railway. Movie lovers will know that that is a very famous song from a Judy Garland musical called The Harvey Girls. I love The Harvey Girls. We used to watch that when we were in high school. We loved it. All the time. Steaks. (laughs) Steaks and singing. Oh, all the best things in life. What an interesting premise (laughs) for for a movie. (laughs) It seems really far out there until you find out that it was, like, based on real history, and then people are like, that happened? (laughs) Really? My favorite part about that whole movie is telling, I'm always telling people, 
that Angela Lansbury and Judy Garland get into a fist fight in that movie in a bar, and people are like, what? That's the best part. It is the, the best part, movie. slash one yes. part that's kind of cringy about it, but... <laughs> so funny, though. It's so good. It's so good. So good. So good. So good. So good. <laughs> it's aspirational. No! You promised. <laughs> But I want a fist fight in a bar. I aspire to it. You have now lost 50 subscribers. <laughs> I get notifications. <laughs> do you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shall we move on? Yeah, I think we're ready to do our categories. Really quickly, before we begin, if you want to play along, the categories are favorite movie of 1996. Prestige pick. The best song. Best poster. Most traumatic. Your guilty pleasure movie. The most influential movie. Uh, the category we call confession, which is the one that you haven't seen, but you feel like you should have. The worst movie. And the movie you can't believe didn't make your list. And then we tell a few movie stories or movie anecdotes having to do with the movies of 1996 at the end. And sometimes, if we're feeling really sassy, we share a movie crush. That's right. Okay, I want to know what your favorite movie of 1996 was. My favorite movie of 1996 was Jerry Maguire. Really? Yes. Tell me why. Cameron Crowe. I really, really love Renee Zellweger's character in this film. And it's one of those that I... I say this all the time, but it's one of those that I watch over and over again, and always, it's always really enjoyable for me. And Tom Cruise is really funny, and it's just, it's a really funny, sweet movie. I know it was a huge deal back then. Yeah, like the show me the money, and... You had me at hello. Yes. All that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Those two things. It's just my favorite. I love it. Good choice. Thanks. So you, have you seen it, or you, you haven't, you just don't remember I've seen it once. Long Kiss Goodnight. I knew it. Big shocker. I knew it. It has everything a girl could ever want. Yes, it does. Action, jokes, Gina Davis, Samuel L. Jackson, blood, violence. I love blood and violence. It's the complete package. She kicks so much ass in that movie. Yeah. That, okay, I want to make sure I have it right. That's the one where she... Like, I don't know if she loses her memory, but she mm-hmm. has, like, I forget. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, she explain gets it. she gets injured and, like, loses her memory. And so she wakes up a blank slate and starts a new life and has a baby and is a school teacher. And then She's she... Yes. And then she has a car accident. She gets her memory back and she still slowly starts remembering she was this badass super spy. Exactly. There you Thank you. I don't know why I couldn't spit that out. <laughs> I just wanted to tell people that it's raining where you are, so if they're like, what is that sound? Like, I, it's this very soothing film noir sound. That's my film noir music. It's <laughs> good. Thanks. Um, it's no okay. Perry Mason theme, but <laughs> it'll do. It's no stripper song. <laughs> my prestige pick for 1996 was Fargo. Ooh, good a choice. Why Fargo? Oh, because of the blood, obviously. <laughs> Why did I even ask? I well, and it's also Frances McDormand's one of her best performances. 
Yeah, it's my pick. <laughs> what was yours? I liked, I picked Bottle Rocket. I liked Bottle Rocket. <laughs> We're really good at this. Me simple. Me want cookies. I like Bottle Rocket. <laughs> it was a genre transforming movie and it was so funny and the Wilson brothers being so funny and the plot and just everything is great. Was that Wes Anderson's first film? Uh, I believe it was his first feature, yes. Yeah. I can't comment on it. <laughs> and you'll find out why here in a few minutes, but... Same thing with Fargo for me. <laughs> really? Truly. Okay, interesting. This just got interesting. <laughs> 40 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, what was your favorite song? I chose Everybody's Free by a young man named Quindon Tarver from the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. Nice. It it was hard to pick one song off that soundtrack because, man. Because on repeat in your room. Oh, all like, the time. Every day we were, like, while we were getting ready for school, after school, <laughs> after, after school. I picked Kissing You by Des. Desiree. Good choice! I can still hear it in my head. What's like, weird is that, like, I I just interrupted you. I'm so sorry. No. People hate it when I do that also. No, you really did. Go ahead. I did. No, I did. Sometimes I'll say a word, like I'm gonna say something, and then I have nothing to say, and that's what just happened. <laughs> Go ahead. It was a really weird experience remembering that that movie existed when I was looking through IMDb's list and then flashing back to what a huge deal that movie was. Because it came out like when we were freshmen. And then when I was a sophomore, I was a librarian assistant at school and I got to take the VHS home. And it just like, it was such... I don't have the words. It was just a really big deal to forget that a movie existed and forget that the soundtrack existed, but then look at the soundtrack and be like, whoa, this was like a year of my life. (laughs) (laughs) The incredible cast, Harold Perrineau is amazing in that movie. Me too! He's incredible. He's the best thing about that movie, I think. He really, really is. I mean, I could do without all the other characters. He is amazing. Oh, what a performance. Like you said, he's just the best, the best thing. He's one of the most honest performers. Like, in everything that he does, it feels so real. You you feel like a voyeur because he's such an incredible actor. You with the words. <laughs> He's underappreciated, too, I think. I totally agree. and But I think the irony is that he's underappreciated because he gets cast in roles where he gets to play complex personalities. Like, his role on Lost, he got the short end of the freaking stick as a character. I know. Anybody would have done what he did to save his son anybody and people were like oh he's the uh that guy and i'm like shut your don't talk about harold that way he was completely vilified but he was justified i i don't i think he got a really bad send off too i didn't like how that all came to a conclusion for him i wasn't crazy about it it I think was he so deserved unjust better 
I agree. <laughs> but yes, he's well... excellent. <laughs> Sometimes I play this little trick on my husband where if we're really, really, really quiet, I'll just yell Walt like that. <laughs> it scares the crap out of him. Walt! <laughs> it never gets old. I love it. Okay. Um, are you ready to move on? Or yes. Yeah. Okay, what was your favorite poster from 1996? I chose The Frighteners. Good one! Thank you. What did you choose? I chose Fargo. Again. (laughs) I don't know why. I just like the way it looks. That's uh, the whole point of the category, so you succeeded. (laughs) (laughs) I like seeing it with my eye. (laughs) I like seeing it with my eyes. That was really funny. Is the Frighteners anywhere else on your list? Um, no. But I, I just, I had a hard time with this year in general. There are several of these that could have been swapped easily. Mm-hmm. Me too. So, but no, it didn't make it anywhere else. Remember how obsessed we were with that movie? Didn't we just watch that recently? Yes, together? we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> it's a good, it's a really good movie. It's really good. And it's scarier mm-hmm. than I remember it being when I was young. It, and it's really funny, and visually, it was such a huge deal. It was groundbreaking, visual effects-wise. It really was. And then there's Michael J. Fox. There's the matter of Michael J. Fox. Yeah. It's a really fun, kind of scary, funny, it's, it's a good one. And I love that Peter Jackson filmed it in New Zealand because it gave it such a feel. Oh my gosh, I completely forgot it was Peter Jackson. Doesn't it make sense, though, when you think about, like... It- makes complete sense some of the gross outness and the murder he's a sick sick sicko (laughs) (laughs) did you know that he has a secret room in his wellington mansion that is an exact recreation of bag end he does isn't that cool that is amazing people weren't supposed to know about it but somebody who it might have been steven spielberg somebody who visited for one of his parties like told a magazine in an interview Whoopsie doodles. <laughs> Steven's not allowed back to his house anymore. <laughs> Calling him Steven in that context is so funny. You're not coming back, Steven. Steven can't come over anymore. <laughs> he told him about Bag End. Peter Jackson, I feel like, must have a lot of secrets because there was a time when he was on Colbert. And it was like this really brief little moment where Colbert talked about going to see all the sets and how all the sets are still up and they still exist. And Peter Jackson was like, shh, shh, shh. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, it was really interesting. And I was sure when I saw that, that it meant they were going to announce like a Lord of the Rings theme park. And then it just never happened. And so part of me is like, what does it mean? Maybe it means like he has he's leaving them up for his personal enjoyment, but he doesn't want anyone to know about it. <laughs> I mean, you have to wonder. Maybe he did. <laughs> Who knows? A girl can dream. I mean, it's not like I have a poster of Aragorn on my ceiling or anything. So <laughs> those kinds of things aren't normal. Why I never did the ceiling poster thing. But for why? You can look at them as you fall asleep. I'm dumb and never realized that's why that was happening. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that was so, like, I've been smoking for 30 years. 
other thing we were talking about earlier today that I had a really stupid understanding of. Oh, it was when it was when you said that right now that a lot of Catholic churches have put a ban on people saying "peace be with you," <laughs> and I said, "Is that because they pop their peas and spit on each other?" And you were like, "No, it's because they shake hands." You moron! Aww. I think dumb things. Now you had the flu. <laughs> All right, what was your most traumatic film of 1996, Audrey Brown? I, Lindsay Glover, believe we may match here. I put The Island of Dr. Moreau. We do not match, did but you I put, agree. Did you put Thinner? Nope. Oh, snap. I don't know where this is going. Nope. Did you put Fear <laughs> with Mark Wahlberg? Let's talk The Island of Dr. Moreau okay. really quickly. But what curiosity. The, what? The ever-loving is that movie. But do you remember that we rented it more than once? I don't. We did. Is, is it true? It's true. Why? Um, I think we were trying to figure out what to make of it. <laughs> and what conclusion did we come to? I think it was just really weird and upsetting. And I just, Val Kilmer's just so weird in that movie. Weird. I think that he started to take a turn. He there. did. And like the guy, yeah, Sandro Vavianale, the guy from The Big Lebowski. This is this really great character actor whose name I should obviously know. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. And freaking, isn't that Marlon Brando? Yeah. It's so weird. There is a, there is a really good documentary about the making of the Island of Dr. Moreau. It, the whole process went like off the rails. Isn't, because Marlon Brando was like crazy, right? Yes. And then Marlon, and then Val Kilmer was like kind of trying to out crazy Brando. It's, it's almost like its own heart of darkness. Like it's so fascinating what happened, and like the director started to break down and give up because things were going so insane. And they still put it in theaters. David Thewlis, that's his name. Yes, that's right. So why was it traumatic for you? Is there like one specific thing, or was it just the movie as a whole? Uh, I think it was very disturbing to me. The idea of, like, genetic engineering and the violence and... I guess you could put that under animals in peril as the genre. Yeah, absolutely. So, my usual reasons. I agree. It was very disturbing. I'm right there with you on the trauma of it. Thank you for your support. You're welcome. This is the Island of Dr. Moreau's support group. (laughs) (laughs) 1-900. Giant moo-moo. Okay. Mine was train spotting. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. I still think about the one scene with the baby, and it, it, I mean, that was a long time ago that I saw that, and it's still stuck with me to this day. It, it literally traumatized me. So, yeah. I don't think you're alone. I couldn't comprehend. It was just, it was too graphic for me. I didn't, I couldn't handle it. That actually is under my, I haven't seen it. But I do know the scene you're talking about because people talk about it a lot. Yeah. I think it probably had the same effect on many, many people. Yeah. Danny Boyle. (laughs) Curse you and your 28 days later. (laughs) I'm going to knock you 28 days later. (laughs) Nobody do heroin. (laughs) Please. You'll poop yourself. (laughs) Does that also happen in the movie? Oh, my 
itself is always funny. It's so gross. <laughs> I can't even think about it. Please don't do heroin. <laughs> there are many reasons why, but most don't of do- all, you can poop yourself. Don't do heroin, colon, you'll poop yourself. <laughs> the musical. pleasure the craft that's a really good guilty pleasure thank you we watched that a lot yeah we really loved it that we i owned that so we owned that it's not like we wanted to be witches but 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 we did though (laughs) we kind of (laughs) did it made being a witch cool so 90s it's like the perfect capsule of 90s it's got most iconic 90s music it's got all that goth wardrobe 90s hair, 90s clothes. The whole thing. 90s skin peeling off. (laughs) It's kind of a cult classic, so I guess I shouldn't call it a guilty pleasure, but... No, I would say it's a guilty pleasure. What was yours? (laughs) The Birdcage. Is that a guilty pleasure? I don't think so. It's my most influential preview, spoiler alert. Okay, so maybe it's not, but that's what I put. It's just... It's just wonderful in every way. It's so funny. It's so quotable. How could you go wrong with Nathan Lane and Robin Williams? And Hank freaking Azaria being brilliant. Oh my god. (laughs) As a houseboy. I used to quote that movie so often that this girl I knew in college, like, couldn't take it anymore and snapped on me one day. I was doing that part where he talks about all the choreographers and he goes, you do, Martha, 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 Martha. And and I got to the part where he goes, Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd. And she goes, I don't know what you're doing. I never know what you're doing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Madonna, Madonna. Um, oh, my God. That's hilarious. I drove her to madness with my birdcage quotes. Also, Diane, I've never pronounced her last name correctly. I don't Why either. Is- Weast? Weast? Whoever she is, I just love her. She's so gentle, and her comedic timing is so perfect. It really is. It's a movie that makes you feel really good. You just never want it to end. Every act is fun. Every scene is fun. And when it's over, you're like, oh, it's over? I think that Nathan Lane should have won. Did he win an award for that movie? I don't know. Like, at least a Golden Globe. Uh, even a crappy Golden Globe. <laughs> Cries? Oh my god. <laughs> I, my favorite is when he says, Agador, bring me my Pirin tablets. <laughs> my Pirin tablets. <laughs> I feel like a lot of movies like that make a joke out of their own lead characters. The Birdcage takes the trouble to show you several different sides. There's a well-rounded picture. Absolutely. Like, when he gets on stage, you see that he's worth all the trouble, and he's kooky because he's brilliant. Right. He can't do that when I'm singing! (laughs) I don't know what you're doing! I don't know what you're doing! I never know what you're doing! Shut up with your movie quotes! I'll kill you! Actually, I don't think it was a meltdown. I think she was really funny and I really liked her. So if you're listening, I'm not mad at you. I just want you to think I'm cool. Did you say that was your most influential? I did. 
well, that's, that covers that. Segway. Mine was probably actually what should have been my <laughs> guilty pleasure. I don't, I, I think See I what I mean? That. Everything's so swappable in 1996. It really is. Uh, I put Scream, mostly because it was the first horror movie I saw that was funny, too, and, and very self-aware, and it was just a really memorable time for me because I started to get, that's when I started getting interested in horror films, and it was a big deal for me back then. You did love it, and as a fan of horror films, it makes sense to me that it would be your most influential, because you're right. There wasn't anything like it. It kind of invented a new subgenre of horror. Yes, it really did. You see a lot of film, uh, horror films like it now, but it really opened the door for the ability, I think, for a horror film to be funny. Because really, in the 70s and even the 80s, it wasn't about humor. It was all about gore. And this kind of turned it on its head. That's so true. And if you weren't like a, a teenager or older at the time, you probably wouldn't remember the world before Scream because it was one of those movies that changed the the business for sure. Absolutely. That whole opening scene is pretty iconic. We had never seen that in a movie before where they took a huge star and killed them immediately. It was very shocking. Anyway, so yeah, that's my, I would say that's my, probably should have been my guilty pleasure, but I put it as my most influential. Audrey, what was your confession movie for 1996? F3. I've never seen Fargo, Trainspotting, or Sling Blade. Oh, you haven't seen Fargo? Yeah. Oh, that surprises me. Me too, because I love the Coen brothers so much. I think you need to see it. I think you would really love it. I'm worried about Steve Buscemi. Why? Is he the one that gets put in the wood chipper? I can't tell you. Even if... He is, Even isn't he? he does get put in the wood chipper. I knew it. I'm not saying he does. We bug-eyed people have to stick together, you know. I, <laughs> you, you two and Marty Feldman. <laughs> and Raul Julia, may he rest. <laughs> Just for the character of Marge alone, I, I think you'd really, really enjoy it. I highly recommend it. So Fargo, Trainspotting, Sling Blade. Mine was Bottle Rocket. Ooh, really? Yes. Oh, we gotta watch it. I think you would really enjoy it. It's really funny. And it's not it's not quite as like high handed as his movies slowly started to become. So Bottle Rocket isn't like doesn't resemble those very much or No, it's it's very pure. It's like pure, unadulterated, pre collaborating with Roman Coppola, Wes Anderson. Okay. I'm excited. I want to see it. We're going to watch it when you when you come down here for podcasting because it's it's really something special and it has a love story in it that will really like kind of pull at your heart. Like they just get something really right about love and it's uh it's a pretty movie and it's just it's just hilarious. I can't wait. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Maybe we'll watch that and Fargo. That sounds great. That would be a fun movie night combo. What was your worst movie of 1996? Dunstan checks in. <laughs> Is there a reason? Um, uh, just anything with a monkey, I feel, automatically goes to the worst category. You mean you didn't like the Matt LeBlanc movie? I won't watch it. Where it's like a monkey and a baseball player or BFFs? Oh, 
too many premises. <laughs> too okay, okay, okay. Many. Here's my pitch. <laughs> Matt LeBlanc at the top of his career. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, okay. As a baseball player. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can totally see that. And He's kind of... Butch, yeah. Is a monkey. Oh, I don't... I don't know. No? no? I, think I think we're, we're gonna make it. I think we're slightly out of the era of man and animals co-starring, but I, I, you know, it could work. $50 million, that's what I need. Does the monkey play baseball also? I don't know. Does he? <laughs> I don't know either, because I've never seen it. I've never seen it either. <laughs> I thought Dunstan Checks In was the one with Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> they all just kind of converge and melt together. There's a monkey and a dog and a cop and <laughs> so many animals, so many things. <laughs> and a pony and just everybody is there. It's a fever dream of a film concept. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> what was your worst movie? Nutty Professor. I hate <laughs> the Nutty Professor. <laughs> Tell me why. People still quote that movie. <laughs> it's gross and crude and stupid, and I hate it. The other thing that it is is sad. It is sad. It's gut-wrenchingly, heartbreakingly sad. Gross. <laughs> and sad. You're right. People do still quote that. They do. They still do the Hercules thing. That's what I'm talking about. I think I just heard somebody do it the other day. But Doesn't the little boy make, like, fart noises at the table? I think they all fart at the table. See, that is so gross. It's just the regular grossness. That's the, it's the, yes. Yeah, it's the farting noises and the, it's, it's weird. They made a lot of weird choices. Yeah, it's like, hey, I know, let's do this just to be funny, because everyone who's watching this is, like, seven years old like my son thinks that fart noises are funny and he's not wrong <laughs> they just have to be it's a superpower that needs to be used for good anyways not my favorite i don't i hate that movie i think the greatest cultural commentary ever made on the nutty professor is from the office where michael awesome. scott has a character named michael clump Thank you. <laughs> Nothing else ever needed to be said about that movie than Michael Klump. What were your movies that you couldn't believe didn't make the list? I know one. You do? I do. I bet we have the same one. Okay, tell me. Mission Impossible. Yes. Yep. Tell me why. Because it's so good. I it's love that movie and I am not sorry. It still holds up. It does. It has aged like a fine brie or parmesan. <laughs> You did it again! Oh, whoopsie doodles, cheese. Uh, aside from some of the technological stuff, it still holds up and is still such a fun watch. I'm still like, why did they kill off Emilio Estevez right away? Asta lasagna. Don't get any Anya of my face, Anya. Bastards. <laughs> His face explodes. Oh, so cringy. It is. It's also kind of fake looking but that's okay we look past these things because we love mission impossible we do love mission impossible it's it's fun and it's funny and the action scenes were really groundbreaking and the soundtrack was really great and the casting was good except for Tommy one Cruz part that i didn't like 
I'm sorry, I talked over you. It's okay. I don't. I do it to you constantly. Tom Cruise doing his own stunts. Tom Cruise at peak Tom Cruise, really. Toast. Toast. <laughs> also, Ving Rhames. He's so fun. I love him in that movie. He can do no wrong in any movie. I know. He's awesome. Yes, that was one. Um, my I have a couple. Let's hear them. My other one is that that thing you do. Oh, of course. I love Tom Hanks. It's a very good movie. It is really fun to watch still. And that song is really catchy, too. Yeah, it's really joyful. Like, the song is joyful. The scene where they hear their song on the radio for the first time is like an instant mood booster. It really is. And it's just, it's funny. Yeah. Um, and the long the long kiss goodnight. I, only, I had one more in the can't believe category, and it was set it off. I can't believe that didn't make it on the list. <laughs> set it off. That's a great movie. It's pretty fun. Is that Queen Latifah? Yes. And Jada Pinkett. That's pretty fun. It is an awesome movie. Jada Pinkett was a big deal in 1996. I know. That and The Nutty Professor? Come on. Slam dunk. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any movie stories? Um, The Cable Guy. Well, do you want to tell yours first? I bet we have the same one. Is it the one where we went to the movie theater? Yes. You tell it. You're better. No, I'm not better. I'm just louder. Once, it was the first time I ever saw two movies in one day, and it was like a random Saturday, and my mom dropped us off at the Avon movie theater, and we saw Cable Guy, and we loved it, even though everybody else hated it, and we bought 30-something dollars worth of candy the out in the little concession candy area, and we got so sick that we threw most of it away on our way out the door. Yeah, it was like you could fill those big paper bags with... <laughs> whatever kind you wanted and we spent so much money on it and wasted it all it was so (laughs) shameful and then my mom picked us up and we went right to the danville theater the royal and saw the nutty professor Mm -hmm. it was it was the best day it really was it was so good we had a lot of days like that yeah we have had a lot of best days we're like really happy dogs before dogs get put down You're gonna eat all the candy you want. You can see two movies, both in the theater. I had a couple more quick movie anecdotes. Yes, please. Do you remember, okay, the movie Ransom came out this year. Yes. Do you remember that you had that Ransom hat and everybody was always harassing you about it? (laughs) They were like, hey, Lindsay, do you really like Mel Gibson? Do you like that movie, Ransom? Uh, Do you like to kidnap people? And then I punched them in the face. <laughs> you probably did. Kingpin came out this year, and I refused to watch The Big Lebowski for years and years because I got it mixed up with Kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, we used to get so scared in our friend group after Scream came out, we would get like suspicious of each other at slumber parties. What are you doing? I'm coming with you. No, I'm not. <laughs> the kitchen, you say, where there are knives? <laughs> right behind you <laughs> what else is there anything else do you want to, did you have any movie crushes that popped up why don't you tell me yours first i was obsessed with jeff goldblum in independence day oh that doesn't surprise me one bit oh my gosh utterly utterly obsessed i forgot he was in that if i were a poster on the ceiling type of girl i wasn't but if i was that's who it would have been was he like a scientist or something? He was a scientist. He always a scientist. <laughs> I saw that movie on the 4th of July in 1996. 
I remember. I think I saw it with you. Yeah, I think we were with the Millers. Yeah. Mine would probably be Tom Cruise. I thought you would have said Michael J. Fox from The Frighteners. Just every year. He's my always, all the time, every year crush. (laughs) But if I had to pick maybe a more high-profile guy from 1996, it would probably be Tom Cruise. Good choice. That, that was the first movie, that movie and the movie Anaconda were the first times that my dad and I realized we had to start, like, screening which movies we were going to see together because it was really uncomfortable, and every time something got kind of uncomfortable, my dad would just get up and leave the theater. <laughs> that, was, that sounds exactly like him. And then we had to just, like, stick to sci-fi and Star Trek. I'm, uh, I'm just gonna go. <laughs> I'm going to come back when it's safe. (laughs) Do you want to play a game of quick? (gasps) Let's do it. Just for like a couple of rounds. Okay, okay, okay. This can't be right, but what about that movie, The Adventures of Pluto Nash? Oh my gosh. When is that from? I don't know. That's a really good one. (laughs) Mine would be... Daddy Daycare. Ooh, good one. The All Eddie Murphy round of quick. (laughs) Your turn. The Golden Child. Nobody ever talks about The Golden Child. Ever. Ever. That sounds familiar, but I have no idea what that is. It is a great movie, and I really think that it needs a higher place than the Eddie Murphy canon. You're setting the bar here. Now I have to think of an Eddie Murphy one. (laughs) You don't. You You can deviate. Toys. Good one! <laughs> wow! That is a movie I haven't thought of in 20 years. Wow! Yeah, seriously. Wow. I'm just gonna keep saying wow to stall. Wow! <laughs> oh, Deep Blue Sea! Nice! Because of LL Cool J being in both. The Haunting. Ooh, but the bad remake, right? Yes. I haven't thought about that movie in a long time, and it is terrible good round good round i guess it's time to sign off yeah so thanks for listening yep thank you so much bye-bye bye